0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: Business activity might be nearly choked off, but this is a busy country. People are still thinking and creating. Congress is still doing its thing. That means the U.S. Copyright Office is still on the job. For what's going on inside, we turn to the Acting Register of Copyrights, Maria Strong. Ms. Strong, good to have you on. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. And we should, I guess point out the fact that you became acting register just in January of this year after a fairly good number of years in the Copyright Office. And so what's it like walking into something that suddenly the bottom fell out in terms of operation and normalcy?
0: Thanks for the question. Um, yes, I've been at the Copyright Office for 10 years. And when our former register resigned at the end of last year, I was appointed in an interim capacity by the librarian, Dr. Carmen Haida. To be the acting register, so I came in with a commitment to make sure that we continued our work, we maintained the momentum of all of our services to Congress, to the public, to the courts, and to the other executive branch agencies. I did not plan, and I think none of us did for a pandemic so You know, the work of the office has been uh, to continue what we had been doing, but also to adapt very rapidly and in, in very flexible ways to the current situation that affect our services.
1: And what is the level of activity? What's the incoming workload like these days?
0: Well, our work continues, as I mentioned. So our first and foremost obligation is to serve Congress. And so our legal team, both in the General Counsel's Office and the Office of Policy and International Affairs, has been able to work completely uh, remotely. So we maintain that service level to them. We continue our litigation, our regulatory work, um, our uh, outreach to our executive branch colleagues. That continues, if anything, in heightened a little bit. In terms of administering our services, for example, uh, registration and recordation, we continue to receive claims for those services. And so we are able to work uh, remotely in most cases. Where we cannot work remotely is due to the fact that we have discontinued our mail services, and some of our services do involve paper-based claims, so mail and those documents are being date-stamped and sent off to our off-site facilities, and we will make those come back to us in an orderly fashion when that decision is made. So in terms of the office level of work, we continue at a rapid pace. We were able to convert to full telework quite rapidly. Our our staff had already been telework eligible. So we went from about 65% right before all this happened to the current 98% teleworking. So we are able to continue our services remotely. And where we need to make adjustments, we are doing so and advising the public on our website.
1: Well, does that mean that someone applying for a copyright has to wait now, or can you still issue copyrights?
0: Oh, no, they don't have to wait. So most of our uh, registration claims actually do come in electronically. So you have a claim that's electronic, the deposit material is electronic, and the fee comes in electronically. And those are continuing to be processed. What sometimes happens is you might have an electronic claim with a physical deposit, and so we have to marry those up. That is a little challenging, but we have made flexibilities available so that if someone does have a physical deposit, they can, under oath, give us a photocopy or a scan, basically, of what their physical deposit looks like. And they send that in to us, and we can continue to process that, and then we'll connect everything later when we get the access to the physical deposits. Most of our registrations are in those two buckets. We do receive very few physical paper and physical deposit, and those will definitely be delayed for processing. But our registration staff has a lot of work to do on hand, and we continue to process incoming things. So people are still welcome to use our our website 24-7.
1: So if someone still writes their songs with a quill and a piece of parchment that's lined, They should probably make a PDF of it and get it on in.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, actually, copyright attaches at the moment you put that quill to the piece of paper. So the copyright protection exists at that point to uh, get additional benefits under the law. We encourage folks to register their claim of copyright with the Copyright Office. So copyright registration gives additional bonuses and legal benefits for those. But copyright exists at the moment you've put your quill to the paper.
1: We're speaking with Maria Strong, Acting Register of Copyrights at the U.S. Copyright Office, part of the Library of Congress. And are you also in touch with your counterparts at the Trademark Office at USPTO? And is there any lockstep in their activity and yours, or do they kind of run their own dynamics?
0: Well, they do run their own thing. We are the principal agency that administers the Copyright Act. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office obviously administers the patents and the trademarks. Copyright is different from patent and trademarks in the sense that, as I mentioned earlier, we are voluntary. You do not have to register to get a copyright, whereas for patents and trademarks, you do. So we you know, run our own separate systems where we do cross over on the matter of, for example, policy and international trade as we work with them as part of an interagency team to examine, you know, copyright law developments in other countries. That's where our coordination and consultation definitely crosses over. But as a matter of administrating the various acts, we are separate. Where we have converged is... Very recently, in the sense that we've both taken advantage of the recent CARES Act that was passed by Congress and signed by the Senate that gives both of our agencies a certain emergency relief during times of national emergency. And that bill passed on a Friday, and lo and behold, by the next Tuesday, both of us had issued certain emergency relief declarations to take advantage of some of the flexibilities afforded in that act. We did not coordinate on that. It's just that we both saw the the need of making sure that we were able to serve our users in a flexible way during those challenging times.
1: And I guess it helps you think about the starving artists right now who can't even wait tables to make money. So it's kind of a rough situation for everybody involved. And with respect to the interaction you might have directly, say, with phone calls or perhaps somebody might need to come in sometime to the Copyright Office, how are you interacting or are you able to interact with people that may have a question?
0: Well, that service continues, actually. Our public information office does have a walk-in capability, and that obviously is closed when the library closed the buildings to the public in early March. However, we've always had an online call system, so that continues to be very active. We continue to receive thousands of calls per week, and we are also answering thousands of emails coming in from the public per week. So that service has remained open, ready for business as well.
1: Before this, what level of telework was typical for the Copyright Office, or was any of it?
0: Um, actually, we did take advantage of a lot of the teleworking. We have various divisions that actually rely heavily on telework. For example, Public Information Office and our registration team. Like I said, before all this happened, About 65% of our office was eligible for telework. That's not to say that 65% of the folks were out at any given day, but a lot of people did take advantage of the one day a week or perhaps two days a week telework. So we over the recent years have continued to emphasize the growth of telework. So when we had to switch to maintain health and safety considerations in early to mid-March, we were able to do so very quickly. And I will like to you know, say kudos to our colleagues in the office of the information technology, OCIO, in the library, they You know, we're fabulous in making sure that we were able to get served with the additional laptops to really hike up that number of eligibility. So we we were able to transfer very seamlessly and very quickly because we had already had that foundation in place.
1: And how do you stay in touch with direct report managers? Is there some sort of a daily teleconference situation? Um, yes, we have about 440 employees and, and basically seven
0: sort of divisions. Each you know leader gets to manage their own division the way they see fit in terms of the way in which I can coordinate with my senior management. It's everything from phone calls to emails to various teleconferencing facilities. Uh, we have two at the office. So you know your headphones are on for quite a bit during the day. I will say that in my experience, um i've found that this time a lot, there's a lot more uh, efficiency in getting things done uh, on via the telephone route i think there's also a corresponding more amount of emails just yesterday we held an all office wide teleconference um so we could bring everybody up to speed in one time and place so we use all of the technology available at our, at our means and i think folks are finding that it's you know the best way we can to stay connected it's certainly not a replacement for You know, the the hallway, coffee runs, things like that, where you actually can get a lot of information and work done. But we are doing the best we can. And I'd say, if anything, my experience has been that we're equally efficient and productive as we've been before.
1: And what room of the house do you work from? And do any kids or spouses or anything else, pets get underfoot?
0: Uh, No pets. uh, Two kids. I have two uh, teenage sons who seem to be in the nocturnal time schedule, which is great because it allows me basically 12 hours during the day to work unimpeded uh, from my kitchen uh, before they come down to raid the fridge. So I haven't had to worry about that. I will say there are a lot of folks in our office who do have younger children. We're taking care of older folks. And, you know, the library has provided quite a few flexibilities to make sure that people are able to complete their 40 hours of work week, you know, throughout seven days, not five days. And we have also been able to, as an office, take advantage of some of the recent legislation that has also allowed for that flexibility and added telework and administrative leave. So I'm, you know, very sympathetic to those folks who do have families cats, dogs, and other things to um, keep them safe, but also to make sure that they have the ability to get the work done that they need and continue to contribute as they see fit.
1: Well, keep the hot pockets in stock. Maria Strong is Acting Register of Copyrights at the U.S. Copyright Office. Thanks so much for joining me.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, be safe and have a good day.
1: We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resource page at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode
0: is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away,